0: This week's show it's all about onboarding, those first 20 seconds, the most important seconds of your application's life. What are good approaches and what are terrible approaches? We discuss what you can learn from hardware design and our mistakes. All this and more on this week's Merge Confidence. I recently bought some brand new hardware that I was super excited about uh, because it kind of made it the very first time I would cloud connect and automate my house a little bit. And that was a Nest uh, camera, a little drop cam. Uh, A security camera? A security camera, yeah. We, We were kind of a little bit. Moved down to the bottom floor of an apartment complex, you know, went a little bit more security. So I bought a little security camera. I was excited because it's from Google and it's from Nest and it's going to be my first Nest device. I've heard so many good things. And I was blown away at how quick and easy it was to set Mm -hmm. up. I mean, the onboarding experience just blew my mind. I literally like had it was one sheet of paper. And I love it when it's like in. Three easy mm. steps. That's like the, the golden gem. It just takes three easy steps to set up this thing. And you're like, this is not going to take three easy steps. <laughs> and I took it out and they go install the app and you register for an account and you go add and you scan a barcode and it's done. Like mm. I set up the entire yeah. system in under five minutes. But that's it was actually pretty good. Actually interesting is that that's what it was supposed to be. But what actually happened is that the barcode scan actually failed. (laughs) So, so it wasn't three steps. It actually turned into a fourth step. So adding the onboarding, the the idea, like the golden onboarding, if it went perfect, I would have had it in under five minutes. They said, hey, something went wrong, blah, blah, blah. On, On the actual app device, it says, hey, you know, there's a USB cable, plug it into your computer, go to this page. Like on the mobile application, it was super simple, plugged it in, paired it took six minutes. It kind of still blew my mind. Even when something went wrong, I was onboarded into this entire experience in under 10 minutes.
1: I can't believe you're still talking about minutes here. So a friend of mine just got some, uh, what, Philips Hue light bulbs. And I'm using iOS 10, and it comes with a home app now. Mm -hmm. They finally built an app for HomeKit. And all you have to do is walk up to the box, search the box for this little ID on it, Uh, The Home app uses the camera. Once it sees the ID, does some magic Wi-Fi, iCloud, keychain stuff, and all of a sudden you're in control of all the lights in the house. And awesome. I'm going to say less than a minute. So Phillips oh. and Apple, have you beat James?
0: <laughs> well, I think I was doing more than that. I still had to create the account. See, I think if I already had the account. created, Yeah,
1: OK, I bad. guess the iCloud part is cheating.
0: No, iCloud, iCloud cheats loaded. But still, it's a, those are two great examples of great onboarding. It's almost what you expect um, from not only a mobile application, which is what the, the home application is now doing. But I was pairing a full web webcam that was live streaming and doing all this stuff. And it set up you know, um, a geolocation around my house to turn it on and off automatically in mm-hmm. just a few minutes. And it really blew my mind because when I install applications, there's either one or two things that happens. It either has this very lengthy walkthrough process of every single feature, here's how you do this thing.
1: And that's pretty rare. Usually what happens is, and here's the app. <laughs> <Is that your laughs> and name? here's the app that's been kind of my approach i i i think we got into this conversation a little bit because i was complaining to you that i'm terrible at onboarding for my apps i always feel bad for my customers i always have to say just try it you know give it give it five minutes um, because i don't do such a great job at the onboarding experience so this is going to be a fun conversation of what makes a good onboarding experience versus i guess um you failing one Yeah, I think,
0: I think it's hard to, uh, you know, you have to be very broad, because people are going to have different hardware, they are going to have different phones, you know, even if it's an iPhone, they can have different sizes, you kind of have to generic size things. And what I I liked about the Nest was that it was an application, the application was walking me through the steps of how to do it. And it had pictures of exactly what I was setting up. It's like, what are you setting up? And it's like, I'm setting up this thing, boom, and it's like, cool, just scan right here. And it's like, sure enough, it scanned and Mm -hmm. boom, done. And that was kind of nice.
1: This seems to be a a, a fertile ground because uh, I have... Actually, I have a pretty terrible piece of hardware, but it works very well. This uh, Wink Hub, and that does my home lights instead of Philips. I have this thing called the Wink Hub. And their app is actually really good at pairing devices also. So it's kind of neat that um, this, this realm of something scary where you have lots of weird hardware devices talking over a mysterious wireless connection... These apps are actually kind of killing it, aren't they? They're doing pretty well.
0: They're doing pretty well. I mean, and and I kind of know what's going on there, right? Back in the day, what you would have to do is you'd have to like try to set up and like you you need to get your information about your Wi-Fi to this device that has no idea about the world around it. Yeah. And you would have to first maybe pair over. I remember I used to have to do this. You have to pair over Bluetooth and then it has a Bluetooth. But the Bluetooth thing is only there to connect. Or I bought all oh, the worst, uh, worst hardware onboarding.
1: The Bluetooth are always the worst onboarding. It's terrible. like, here's two codes, do a handshake, turn it on, turn it off again. I still do that with like my Xbox One remote. I'm always repairing it and doing things like that.
0: Every car I get into, it's a terrible experience.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. just... <laughs> Bluetooth, then, where'd it go wrong?
0: I mean, that's not terrible. I remember... I bought the Fitbit scale. I got this for Christmas one time. And the Fitbit scale what you had to do is you had to it had its own ad hoc
1: Wi-Fi network. Yeah, I have one of these. It's hilarious. So you have to join the Wi-Fi network first, right? Uh-huh. And then you can log in and what you went through some screens and taught it how to connect to your real Wi-Fi. Yeah, is you have that to, like, how it type, worked?
0: Yeah, you have to type in like a web page that it's serving up. Like it has, yeah. it's it's hosting a little micro server, right? And then yeah. and then you go and you type in the actual ssid and the password that you really want it to connect to (laughs) yeah it's
1: terrible (laughs) i think this is actually pretty common though pretty much every wi-fi iot device i get is kind of going through this process it's pretty bad
0: and i think that it's because it was so difficult that we're getting into these new hub centrics that are disconnect automatically but to me apps which is what you and i work on on a daily basis Uh,
1: we can't just keep dreaming about hardware now we have to talk about our real jobs (laughs) <laughs> talk about a real job
0: the hardware i mean if you're connecting to hardware take a look at what we just kind of pointed out because those are like golden standard just like super yeah, walking
1: people through like they have animations they have arrows pointing at what you should be doing they have like leds blinking at the right color i think it's just the whole process of uh, what we used to call user stories of actually walking people through how an app would work but in this case they're killing it and i think apps are doing a little bit worse
0: yeah, I mean, even the stuff that I create, so, you, you know, I kind of expect that people will know how to use an app, right? I built a conference <laughs> app, so you should be able to navigate around a conference app. And look, totally. there's a little heart, so those would be favoriting. And you should know where, to, you should know, like, I... You I, rely as
1: a on the conventions of the operating system. So you say, well, I've used enough iOS apps, I've used enough Android apps, I know what a heart means, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's, that's what valid I, I think it's totally valid you don't yeah, want to like be sw- condescending
0: yes yeah, swipe to you know not or this or that you know swipe to
1: delete blah blah blah
0: right. um but sometimes but it's, 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 the, it's the
1: more advanced features it's the it's the p- doing two things to accomplish a goal it's, it's the multi-step stuff i think is where we fail yeah i think so. introduce, well,
0: you know. i'll give you a good example of my super failure <laughs> Uh, it was a fun little tiny application that I created called Co- coffee filter because I was messing around with a bunch of APIs and my idea was, you know, I have to boot up uh, I have to boot up Yelp every single time I want to find coffee around me, and then I have to go type in coffee, and then I have to tap on coffee.
1: Oh, terrible, terrible.
0: It's a it's like multi it's like too many button clicks. Hmm. So I built this little app that says, I know your location, I'm gonna find and sort all of the closest coffee shops towards you.
1: I actually saw this app, it's really cute.
0: Thank you. Yeah, and you would it would just put a pin on the map, and it would put the name on the bottom. If you wanted to go to details, you would tap on it, and then you could swipe left or right to get to the next closest one.
1: Ooh, is that going to be? Is that the point? Is that where people failed?
0: So this was a terror. This was this is what happened. Is that people would? I, I did some user studies afterwards, just like friends that had installed it and see how they use it. So I, I stood back and I was like, hey, you know what? Uh, what do you? How do you use it? What are you doing? And what I found. Is that people would open the application and they would try to tap on the pin
1: hmm because yeah it's a pretty natural yeah that's that's what we're saying about the idioms of the operating system yeah you tap a pin something should happen
0: you tap a pin and something should happen so in this instance nothing really happened uh-huh. you had to tap the button on the bottom that would update when you swiped left or right
1: uh-huh. so yep. the other problem
0: <laughs> is that people wouldn't figure out that you had to swipe left or right <laughs> on it <laughs> to actually find it. So I was like, "Oh, you know, people are used to swiping through lists of things, but it's not a list. You'd only see one pin on the map <laughs> to get to them." Or in the case of iOS, I had a coworker that helped on that one and he put all the pins on the map. And then the people just try to touch on the pins and I was like, oh, no, you just need to swipe through and it'll get you to the next one.
1: <laughs> so this is a case, I, I mean, we got onto this uh, conversation because uh, of onboarding people like through a tutorial or some on-screen images. But in this case, I think you just kind of have to change your UI, right? You don't really want to onboard people to this UI or do you?
0: Well, so I think all I really had to do in that instance is there's a few different onboarding approaches that we could really cover. And I've always had this first run Boolean in my application, which mm-hmm. is like, hey, this is the first run. Maybe you want to tell the user what's up, or this is a new yeah. version. Maybe you wanna tell them what's up and what's a new feature to use. <laughs> uh, and I think applications get it wrong. Some, Most of them get them wrong because they'll either tell you how to try to do everything. So like, here's every little thing, or here's every single like you know feature that was in this update. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what you wanna do. It, to me, it's like when you get to that piece, like, all right, so if you have to set up a device, if that's the very first thing you need to do, like, let's just only cover that.
1: Or so for that s- matter, logging into an account. Probably. I mean, usually that's pretty simple username password, but even then it can be complicated.
0: It can, it can even be complicated. <laughs> yeah. You know, what are the requirements of strength of the username and password? Now? <laughs> but, you know, in, in this instance of the coffee application this nice little thing of maybe a popover control of being like when you get the first location and it says you know what do you do now like it's loaded it and Mm -hmm. if it's the first run the first time they ever see the coffee like you can have a little like hover over a little like little pop-up that says hey
1: bouncing a little bit annoying you to make you read it yeah yeah
0: swipe left swipe right tap down here like that's it two little pop-up buttons would have completely onboarded the entire user. It's not a very complicated application.
1: Yeah, I'm a total fan of this. Um, I I have some problems with it, but before I say that, I'm a total fan. I wish I did more of this in my apps. I think the one neat version I saw first of it was uh, Apple's Photos app. It was a redesign, I think, for iOS 6 or iOS 7. I don't even remember. But they had great pop-up kind of tool tips that would cover every actionable item on the UI. And I just loved it because I thought it was just the quickest way to present a, um, a help file without making people actually read a help file because yeah. no one wants to read a help file. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I think other apps, um, in fact, something like Snapchat, I think I, I always hear people say that they have a hard time like using that app. But I think they do a lot of these affordances, these little like little bouncing thing to annoy you, to attract you, to try a different part of the application. And I just like them a lot.
0: Yeah, it's like if you can draw someone's focus over there, if it's on the screen, like, oh, what is that bubble doing over there? I want to tap on it. I want Mm -hmm. to do something. You don't want to go overboard, though. One thing that I've been (laughs) finding nice and nice is that Google Maps, that's a a map application. You could be creating a map application for everything, at least on Android. They've been doing some really cool things. So when they detect, like it's a feature of the application is offline maps. That's just one thing. And they say, Mm hey, uh, we notice that you're going to this location many times. Would you yeah. like to save the offline
1: map? I wish every map app did this.
0: And you're like, what? It's like, it knows what I want to do because it, it's like drive- <laughs> well,
1: it monitors me all day, yes, of yeah. course it knows.
0: <laughs> or it'll say, do you want to add a shortcut on your home screen for navigation to this to thing? And you're
1: like, Ooh, well, I like thing. that. Yeah. Because
0: it that's some setting that's buried deep down that to us is like, we implemented this awesome feature. We want to do this thing. And then we don't make it discoverable or it's really hard to get to. So like, just yeah. do it for us. It's this nice little drop down. Like, hey, hey, you know, you want to do this thing? <laughs> Is it clippy? <laughs> I notice you drive to work a lot. <laughs> yeah, we, we noticed that you're committing code to GitHub a lot. Do you want to? Um, yeah, it, it's it's like this, this nice repetition thing. But I wouldn't have even known that that feature existed, that I could do it, you know? Because yeah. then once you do it, it says, hey, like, you can do this in the future by doing this. So like once the user... If they're on some screen where they could be doing something and they've gone there multiple times, uh, to me, it's like, where have I fallen down? So sometimes it's not even just the first run experience. It's the features that I have in the application Mm because apps usually do more than one thing, you know, (laughs) that are are out there. So how do you get them into those parts and use what you want? Um, Yeah
1: and it's a balancing act too I, I used another application that every time it presented a new screen it would do it would I'm sure you could disable it at some point but it would highlight every button on it and tell you what does that button do and it's fun at first you feel like okay it's introducing me to the app but by the third or fourth screen you're like okay i get it it's an app (laughs) i'll figure it out You, you get tired of the hand holding so there is a bit of a balancing act to do with it but for the most part i do like apps that try to draw your attention to features that you haven't tried before I mean, even if it's the case of putting a, a red new sticker next to it, like, hey, try this feature, please. I worked hard on it. Exactly. Like a little icon,
0: little something like this is happening. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> the, the worst thing that you can do, which I, I'm, I'm totally guilty of, is that I never in my media center, all these different apps that I've created, it would be I have this this Boolean flag or not even a Boolean flag. <laughs> but I say about the old feature, the old version, uh, that's like when they install it, they have version 1.0. Yeah, then I'll update that. Say, oh, now it's version one, one. If the versions are different, then go update that version. And then here's the release notes for the new version.
1: That sounds reasonable.
0: If you pop up a dialog box that says, here's the new features, no one's going to read that. Yeah, <laughs> especially <laughs> I, I have updates of applications like like Astro or these file browsers. Yeah. like kind of these high level catch all applications. Like here's the last update. And You scroll through like change logs. Like you, no one, no one is gonna read those. It's <laughs> terrible. And it kind of yeah. falls down into what even you put in your release notes of your app is like, if you're gonna put something, make it the most important thing that is in this
1: update. <laughs> <laughs> no, be- it's bug fixes and improvements. <laughs>
0: oh, don't ever put that in a pop-up. I'm, I'm totally guilty of, of doing that.
1: Could you imagine popping up a dialog that says bug fixes and improvements? <laughs> oh,
0: I've totally done it. I've totally oh, you've done, done it. it. Oh. oh, I've totally done it.
1: That's a good onboarding experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's why that's not ever that's never the first run, ride. Right? It's always the new feature I see, pop up yeah. that says, hey, fix some bugs. But, but then you're tell them what bugs are fixed. So it's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm really enjoying uh, the idea now of just labeling buttons as new until uh, someone's clicked on it now. It feels a little less intrusive. It sounds a little bit fun. Like, hey, try this feature. I I like I'm that. talking myself into it. You know what I'm, other what other good ones have you seen?
0: You know what I just saw recently. This is literally last week is I opened up Outlook. Um, Outlook, you're going to say something about Outlook. I'm going to say something about Outlook. Okay. <laughs> so i I tapped, and I have about a thousand folders. I'm very folder driven mm. uh, development here. Mm. And there was something directly under. I did not put it there directly under my email address for work, and it says clutter. Uh, okay. Okay. So it doesn't a new sound folder. organized. <laughs> it's a new folder. I did not create this. And I'm like, uh-huh. what, the, what the, what is it? It's, it's something that caught my eye, right? Cause it's literally right in front of my face. Yeah. I go, what is this thing? And I tap on it. And then it's like this, this thing's like, Hey, this is a new feature we released called clutter.
1: Oh, like, oh ouch. So yeah. It
0: <laughs> and it's like, Hey, we will automatically take your clutter stuff that you don't read. We'll put it in this folder. Do you want to do that?
1: yeah right kind of cool I mean, it was <laughs> and, and we'll keep this word clutter here just to bother you <laughs>
0: i don't like the name of it though that was part of the problem and you can't you cannot delete or rename the folder so it's like always there but uh, it was kind of a cool interesting on oh what is that thing you know i had it was i think it even said new or something like that i'm sure you can time. hide the folder right uh i think you have to go turn off the feature
1: Ooh, that's sad
0: yeah it's kind of sad you would think that deleting it would turn off the feature but no <laughs> but no and it's interesting because this onboarding experience is um, is important because it, it scales not only to just mobile applications that we're creating. When, I think when people are installing applications, let's say you're creating a to-do list or a task list, you know, there's 100,000 of these different. There's tons of t- yeah. task applications. And if you have a bad... Onboarding experience, I mean, what's going to stop them from installing another application, you know, most apps only get a few minutes if, if that of, of onboarding. <laughs> so I think it's actually pretty important, even though I totally fail at it, like all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, you know, have, have you, you've been releasing a lot of more, com- you release a lot of complicated I apps. Do.
1: Yeah. And they're, they're tough because oftentimes they're creation apps too, which uh, require input from the user in order to do fancy things. So the onboarding experience is tricky and usually involves me just writing examples and things like that. So I think the one that I, I first started out just shipping examples, that was an iCircuit. I think I did a bit better with Kelka where I actually wrote um just by the nature of the app that i could use the app to write its own documentation so that was a nice little trick to be able to pull in it but you you see that other times too like in 3d applications they'll sometimes use the 3d engine to run a 3d tutorial like they'll actually monitor the user interface and do things like that but i basically have kind of stalled out there at the example stage what i wish i could do is uh the more multi-step uh uh, process type stuff, like how do you create an object and output a PDF of it or, you know, things like that. And I wish I could do like onboarding illustrations. I don't know, like tutorials that are on the screen, something like that.
0: A little popover that your face comes up. It's like, hey, did you know that you...
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I really... Oh, I'm so tempted to put Clippy in. I mean... <laughs> It's like not a terrible idea. Do you think people actually hate Clippy? I don't think I ever really minded Clippy that much. <laughs> I never
0: minded Clippy. I think that, you know, if if I didn't if I don't if I don't know what I'm doing and you can if you can be smart about when to pop up things, I think that's good. It's when you do it over and over again it becomes annoying. A good example mm. is I'll go back to my outlook on my phone this time. Which is that often I think it has something to do with the Microsoft email server, but it'll auto log me out and just delete my account. Like every, oh, excellent! Yeah, I mean for security, I'm sure for security <laughs> thing. Yeah. So here's the problem: is that every time I go and re log in, it takes me through the same onboarding experience.
1: Oh, so you're you're very you're intimate with the onboarding experience. <laughs> I am
0: intimate. Now there is a skip button. There is a skip. Okay. Button. Good. Yes. But could you have not just already noticed that I have already done the <laughs> onboarding experience and maybe not presented the onboarding experience? It's one of those things where we know that our users have already done something. You know, mm-hmm. if you've installed, if, if I launch this application and I've logged into my account on five different devices, maybe don't tell me I need to do that. And <laughs> I think all apps just do it because it's it's easier, right? There's these easy onboardings. Like, we'll just shove it in there. But it doesn't make it a graceful experience. Yeah, Graceful experience is I log in and just it knows it's synchronized all my settings. It has everything for me. It doesn't have to ask me. It knows what I want. If you think about what do you want as a user, like Mm -hmm. that's what I kind of want to be.
1: So by graceful, you mean we have to run an AI that's mapping what do you know to what do you need to know? And it should be predicting your projected paths through the app. I like that. That That sounds sounds wonderful. We should write that library. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) But until we have that, (laughs) uh, I I guess I failed at that, too. I I started an onboarding experience for Continuous, my IDE, and it started out, I just had like the normal pager view, and I had colors and big fonts, and I was trying to put in some funny drawings, and I just couldn't get it right, and I couldn't decide. Well, what I actually concluded was I had just written a simplified version of the help file, and people are just going to dismiss this thing immediately anyway. Yeah. So, h- how do you feel about those text based? Sometimes they have a picture and the picture helps, but do you read those like when they present like five of them or do you just skip?
0: It depends. We, you know, it was actually interesting when you talk about onboarding experience because, um, so I'll, I'll go back to my original application that I, I ever, second application I ever made, which is my media center. And mm-hmm. this application, the very first screen that it would prompt in front of your face for a long time was a list view of servers that you could connect to.
1: That makes sense. I've written apps like that before, and that's what I always did. <laughs>
0: Correct. Yeah, and there was a plus button in the top right to add yeah. a new server, and uh, and a and then I think if you added that, then you, there was a scan button. It would scan the Wi-Fi and connect. So there's a few things that I did first. Uh, is that if for some reason you couldn't connect, or for some reason the scan didn't work, I, you know, people didn't know what to do, and they had to go to the website. Yeah. So the first thing I did is I put a bottom like t- toolbar on the bottom that had like a an actual scan Wi-Fi button. <laughs> so like they could just scan automatically because if they hit the plus button, it would ask them to do stuff and get confused. Yeah, that's what we wanted them to do. Like That was the first
1: mm-hmm. thing. And then if that's it, a good UI tip, by the way. If you want people to do something, make the button big and put it somewhere prominent. <laughs> FYI, do yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't and, hide it in the corner. <laughs>
0: Yeah, don't don't hide it in the corner. And so then, if if it didn't find it, it said, "Hey, just hit the plus button in the top right. Hit the mm-hmm. plus button." And or actually, it didn't even say that. It said, "You could hit the uh, uh, the plus button, or do you want to manually add one now?" Yeah, right. So it was like, "Hey, this is what. It's not like here's what you can do. It's like here's what you need to do." And then, if all loss, all else failed, there was a help button, a dedicated help button mm-hmm. that would take you to our FAQ that we could load, and that was good but we still had problems with people trying to figure out like, what is it doing? And it was also because they had to install something on their computer. So I did exactly what you did, Frank, which is I did this big three or four page.
1: Please read my mini manual.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And then I didn't even know what to put there half the time. And what I ended up doing was duplicating that entire screen again (laughs) on that screen. So the first thing was the first one was like, welcome to the application. Right. And then it was like, next It was like, the very first thing, go install this on your computer. And then, then they'd hit next and it was like, the Wi-Fi scan or manually add. And it was mm-hmm. the same exact stuff. Yeah. And if they didn't do it, if they couldn't find anyone, it would say, okay, you know, you can add this later, blah, 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 and then it would take you into it. So it was kind of like this step before the step where it was the same exact stuff that I had on that screen. It just didn't walk them through. And people seem to like that, but, <sighs> It, it was super annoying to,
1: what to... So you didn't like it because uh, we, we can break this down. You had more of like a declarative screen. Here are the servers you're attached to and you can procedurally add to the list. It's a very... Your data structure is mirrored in the UI kind of thing. Yeah. And... But for the onboarding, you call it onboarding, but what? It's just an old wizard from Windows ninety five, you know how to connect to things. It totally felt like a wizard, yeah. Yeah, so you don't like writing that wizard, huh? I like that wizard. I think I think it fits more with the mobile lifestyle (laughs) it was
0: kind of nice because it it told them how to use the application a little bit like what is it actually doing what do you need to get started and then it it guided Mm. them through it so it's kind of self-guided which was
1: nice so they're interactive these aren't actually just static web uh you know text pages or anything
0: no we did that for uh my driving the my driving application Mm -hmm. uh which like you could put an obd sensor and all this stuff and they were just like images that our artist gave us yeah and that was terrible because
1: it was just. Yeah, images. those are the ones I'm trying not exact. to do. <laughs> it, it's
0: just, you're like, oh, I mean, because that's what most people go down to. It's like, oh, I'll just put some images in here. And does the image actually correlate to what your app is doing? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Those are like good and bad. I think that as long as you can easily dismiss them and be like, yeah, whatever, you know.
1: I want to tease out one other thing that you mentioned. Um, It's so often that even if we do an onboarding experience, we might do it only for the positive good case. Uh, So I like how you mentioned that uh, maybe you would take a separate action if they actually failed to connect to the server. And I was thinking I just started using uh, this... Oh, gosh, what are they called? CI service, continuous integration service. And when it noticed that I had started a new project and I kept getting uh, failed builds, all red builds, they would send an email and say, hey, we notice you're failing all the time. <laughs> Do you want some help? <laughs>
0: that's good. That's nice.
1: And that's awesome because, um, yeah, especially with these hardware things, you see it with the the home automation things. The failure case is almost as important as the success case, like how to handle it and how to guide the user on the condition of failure. So that's yeah, it's, another thing I wish I did better. <laughs> it's,
0: it's totally an issue. I think I was. Re- I've read tons of Google Docs and I went to a few um a google io sessions on just that not only just onboarding experience but like the words that you use the the terminology can help guide the user through it so a setting a setting screen for instance you know you could say oh connect to this thing or connect to that thing but you may phrase it a little bit different so to me, that comes down to, hey, like, am, am I a copy editor, writer that actually knows what's going on <laughs> or not? Like, I know how to, yeah. to handle this because I, I just live in developer most <laughs> of the time. And that's probably the problem. Like, my favorite is probably the .NET Core installation. Currently, it's my favorite it's my favorite issue I have with onboarding.
1: Okay. Uh, what is this now?
0: So .NET Core for the Mac. And the reason I was ah. doing this is because I needed to install the Visual Studio Team Services installer on the Mac so
1: I could use my Mac as a build host. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. So you have to install .NET Core.
0: So you have to install .NET Core. So there's a few things. Is to install VSTS, you have to do some prerequisites, which is fine. Then you have to install their installer, Mm -hmm. uh, which is just a a shell file that you have to execute. But anyways, but you have to install .NET Core ahead of time. So it's kind of cool that they built it on top of .NET Core and all this stuff. But to me, it's like, hey, if I have to install this other thing and I have to install this other thing, can't you just have an installer to install all of your prerequisites? <laughs> like, just install everything. Yeah. Because this is dot, a... .NET Core actually has other prerequisites. So now I'm installing a prerequisite for the prerequisite. And I, then yeah. you are relying that all of these steps line up. And for instance, yeah. in, in this case of .NET Core, the one, the directions sometimes work and sometimes don't. And I'll digress that there's not a maker in the directions, and it took me Ooh, it took me a few wait, minutes. The to directions out. are
1: wrong. Is that what you're saying?
0: The directions aren't wrong. Oh, but, okay. But they are. So you brew update. So you install Homebrew. So the first thing that there's even a prerequisite for the prerequisite of the yes. prerequisite, <laughs> which they have Homebrew installed. Okay, and most Mac people and will. But what if you don't? Maybe Mac you developers will say, "What's that?" Mac developers. Mac developers. Uh, But, you know, if you're coming from the Windows world, you may not be familiar with all the tools. I wasn't, surely. I had my first Mac three years ago. I'm not familiar with every single um, terminal add-in craziness (laughs) that you guys have. Uh, So you brew update. You brew and you install Homebrew. Totally cool. Uh, Then you brew update. But although if you just installed it, it's going to be new anyways. Then you brew install OpenSSL. And this is where it gets interesting because now Apple ships some open SSL stuff and blah, blah, blah. And you have to do some some sim links, essentially.
1: Yeah, you have to do some ugly file system hacking to make things work.
0: Exactly. Now, this all could have just been in a script that I could have executed.
1: (laughs) So uh, I think this is a much broader argument. Um, I think the world of Unix and the command line has come back in full swing in the development community. And everyone just wants these one liner optimally, but multi line scripts to run to install everything. I want it just to do it for and me. It's so weird because Mac OS is a GUI operating system. Yes, it has Unix underpinnings, but Mac users like GUIs. I use an IDE, I write apps that are GUIs. And everyone just keeps assuming, oh, it's Unix. Let's do all this command line stuff. No, man, I'm totally in your camp. Where's the installer? Just yeah. give me a one click install.
0: The best part is that after you actually get OpenSSL installed and figure out that you have to do this make if your user local lib doesn't exist, um, is that the official installer is a GUI installer.
1: <laughs> it is. <laughs> so why doesn't it have OpenSSL, one may ask? I don't know. It's so, it's so
0: <laughs> great. But see, this is like that, that, that onboarding experience is that I, I remember I was trying to figure this out. And granted, I was trying to install .NET Core at 2 in the morning. But mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are maybe a little frustrated,
1: port. a little time crunched. <laughs> and when you are reading the directions and there's four,
0: <laughs> it's not like there's 100 directions. Right? No, there's four steps. and then But step. you
1: got to interlace them. You got to s- resolve the dependencies in your head. It's yeah. work. It's and I totally gave work. up. I
0: was like, no, I'm, I'm done with this. If it was up? an app, I would have uninstalled it. <laughs> So
1: you never got your uh, continuous integration working?
0: No, I did. I figured out that I had to do a make dir. And then I did it. Then I was smart. Oh, that was actually your problem. That was actually the problem is that it it like failed. It it silently failed. Silently failed. Yeah. And that's the worst is when things silently fail, uh, even inside an application. Uh, So so if things go wrong, it's not just like, here's the issue. Because that's what we'll do all the time. We'll do a dialog box. This thing didn't fail to save. Like what do I do now? Like, that seems bad. <laughs>
1: yeah. That seems terrible. Um, or like when one of these brew commands fails, it usually just gives you a Python stack trace and you're like, great. Awesome. Yeah, I'll just fix that right away. Like, I like
0: that. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, you know, and it's kind of interesting to me. And, and, and this is, as it spans, we've, we've talked a lot of different, we've talked hardware, we talked software, we talked just website, like web instructions, installer instructions. This onboarding experience is not new. It's UX, it's user experience in a way of figuring out how your users are going to do it. But in our case, you know, these are users that are maybe buying our product or they've given your app a chance. Like someone has gone to the app store and downloaded your app and we want to try to win them over.
1: Yeah. And I think uh, something to keep in mind is we ban- we use the word intuitive all the time i 'm going to try to create an intuitive UI, and by that you mean a person could just see the UI and intuit how to work. <laughs> uh, have intuition toward how to to use the thing and the fact is that pretty much always fails If you do any user studies you 'll see that pretty any any intuitive UI that you think you developed usually fails. And so these onboarding experiences are important if you, if you can't rely completely on your app looking like something else that's familiar.
0: Yeah, and, and just because it does follow the UX paradigm doesn't mean that everyone's gonna be able to figure it out. Right. I, remember, I remember I was talking to my one friend that was a UX expert, it was like five years ago, and I had a part of my application, it's for iOS, like Android's really simple. You wanna delete something, you long press, and then the little delete thing will come up. Like that's, that's the UX everyone knows. Yeah, on iOS you swipe to delete, correct?
1: Yeah, that's a general one. It's a general one. However, it's kind of a new one, unfortunately. It's
0: kind of still newer. What what I didn't realize is that when you're editing stuff, like I didn't use the mail application is that there's usually an edit button in the top right. That's the old
1: UI. So the old UI, is it was a stateful. Every user interface technically could have presented a view-only interface and then an editable interface. Ah, And you'll see this in a lot of the classic UIs. So the Contacts app, basically all the old apps (laughs) use this kind of UI of an edit button. The new UI is swipe to delete. But the edit can still give you more like reordering and things like that.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I didn't have one for a while. I didn't have the edit button. This was five years ago. So back mm-hmm. then, right, that was the standard and yeah, and, it, and people didn't know. So it's like, if you, if you don't put it there, people <laughs> don't know. So
1: or I, I, I released my uh, MoCast mocast at my podcast playing app uh, with an empty list and a plus button in the upper left. And I'm like, well, it's an empty list and a plus button. What do you think you should do? It's intuitive. So no, I should, I should no. really do better there. I should my favorite op-
0: part of MoCast is that every time I install it, because I've installed it on a few different devices, <laughs> is I'll install it and I'll want to go add a podcast. So what do I do? I don't hit the plus button no I go, there's a search box right next to it so i start searching
1: oh that's genius yeah yeah, yeah. that should totally work so it doesn't <laughs>
0: what it's actually doing and then i feel like an idiot because i'm like oh no it's searching oh
1: good so my app makes you feel like an idiot as it's onboarding experience perfect
0: I go, oh frank really wanted me to hit the plus button which then brings me <laughs> into a search dialogue <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true
0: it's genius it's little things right it's like yeah. and, and, and oh and, golly <laughs> it's interesting it's like i would wonder if you if you did some analytics on it to say how long does it take you know where or how where, many people
1: where, click that search box first as the first thing they do exactly <laughs>
0: I guarantee everyone
1: does. Maybe. 50%, 90%. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> yeah, so do you do any like A-B testing for onboarding? Have you ever experimented with that at all or anything like that? Well, What's
1: certainly on? not for onboarding since I've already described my terrible onboarding experiences mm-hmm. in my apps. But generally, no, I don't do A-B testing. I'm a little nervous about that kind of stuff. Um, maintaining two code bases freaks me out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like you need to swap components almost. I think what yeah. would be interesting is that when I think about you know, A-B testing of just new features or onboarding of a new feature is to try and experiment a little bit with what does work best? Does a pop-up dialogue work best? Does that little new thing work best? You know, what's going on uh, inside of it? And then Mm -hmm. you can see like, how long did it take someone to actually go tap on it? Ideally when I'm adding a new feature and I wanna onboard that feature, I'll maybe even bring them directly into it. Like once they open the app, it's like, here's this new thing. Do you want to explore it? Yes or no? Like, hey, why don't you just, if you want to do it right now? Because this is new. It's awesome. And you probably want to use it. <laughs> um, but maybe that's annoying to people. So even an onboarding experience of that is like, Put a skip button or not a skip button, right?
1: It's yeah, just, and probably only one feature at a time. Don't 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 make them go through it and then like, hey, and then there's this other feature. Yeah. You gotta be you gotta draw the line definitely closer to not annoying the user, hopefully.
0: Yeah. And and I think what I've done is is it's hard to get onboarding right. So to me, I've always just listened to what my users tell me. And that's what drove my media center to have its own special onboarding experience, which helped guide people to configure the system. Yeah. Uh, And and it wasn't anything special. It took a little bit of time. It was a sprint to (laughs) to get all the features in there. But, you know, the common complaint for a while was that, hey, I can't do this. And how I drive my onboarding experience is what do I want to not have to email back support people for, right? If people, if a hundred people email you about the same topic, let's try to solve that thing. That's how I, that's how I went about onboarding. Solve
1: it first with UI, solve it second with onboarding
0: yeah that's true yeah, yeah. yeah try, correct. try to
1: fix the UI first <laughs> try to fix the UI first
0: <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah and there you have it really just all well, that I can't oh, wait
1: so we're gonna start this project of the AI and auto mapping and figuring out which parts of the app it should expose to the user right we're yeah. working on that I think What's so happening? I think okay. we
0: could totally do that and it would just be like a line of code and it just you know scans all your accessibility called
1: help the user dot execute user.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a quick nugget you install
1: yeah <laughs> Till then, yeah.
0: Till then, (laughs) this has been a little merge conflict for you, trying to onboard you onto the uh, podcast. Um, uh, This has been fun. I super like it, Frank. Let's let's try to get some better onboarding for some apps.
1: Yeah, definitely something to work on in the future.
0: All right. Well, this has been Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno,
1: and I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening.
0: Peace.